Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Welcome Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in. As we discover the path my guest has traveled, has he been inspired by a calling, crafted his journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Stuart Elliott, who is recognized for helping people break free from the mental prisons of negative inner dialogue and self-sabotage that keep them drained of passion and dissatisfied with life. Using his powerful CPNH mindful hypnotic coaching system, he helps you blast away your prison walls so you are free to dream big and realize your dreams in the shortest time possible. Born in the UK, he moved to Africa at age 28 and stayed there for 18 years before relocating to the south of China where he currently resides. He's coupled his life experience with the study of conversational hypnosis, NLP, mindfulness and positive psychology, so he can best help you find the solutions that will allow you to flourish. And with a mission to help as many regular people as possible create extraordinary lives, he is truly dedicated to help you shine and find your Garden of Eden. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Stuart. Thank you, Rhonda. It's great to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a real honor to, to, firstly, to meet you and have a conversation with you and also to, you know, be able to share some of my story with your audience. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, tell us what inspired you to move from the UK to Africa? Two things. One is the weather. Yes. <laughs> I lived in Manchester and, you know, Manchester is, is renowned for being rainy and grey and dreary. And it's about September, October, people sort of walk around with their shoulders down, their head down as if the clouds are there. But the other thing was I'd had a very, very um, deep interest in Africa for, for a long time when I was younger. And uh, I was offered an opportunity to do an overland trip from South Africa back to the UK. It fell through, but then I organized my own one. And I spent six months, I spent about a month in South Africa, then six months traveling through Africa overland to different countries. And then we got to France, got on the ferry, crossed the channel, and I got off the ferry and I just looked around and said, no, I don't want to be here. And three mm-hmm. months later, I was back in South Africa. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think Africa was calling me because there is that special energy in the continent and it's, uh, it's difficult to put into words, but uh, it's, it really is a deep energy that uh, talks to me, if you like. Mm-hmm. Well, there's different energies around the world and, uh, mm-hmm. and you recognize the energy when you were there. What did you do when you were there? My first job was, uh, my profession was telecommunications. So my first job was in that, that field. And I had I'd been working at a microwave radio station where um, they transmit the TV signals, telephone signals around the country. And I, I started commissioning, um, you know, the, the microwave radio links for the private um, um, electricity gener- generating board, um, ESCOM, as it was called at the time. And I'll never forget my first day on the job, I was told we're going up to this place called Tabazimbi, which is about uh, three and a half uh, hours drive from north of Johannesburg. And uh, there were three of us. And we got to this mountain, went up the top of the mountain to this microwave radio tower. And the guy said to me, you sit here. And we're going to drive over there and top of another mountain, which is about another two hours drive away. <laughs> and <laughs> then we'll call you on the intercom and then we'll, we'll commission this link and make sure everything's working okay. So that was my first day on the job on top of the mountain in this beautiful countryside and, you know, just enjoying the energy of the environment and everything else. And then the guys went off and they, we did the, the work and they came back another two hours later. So it was a whole day I was just sort of out in the, in the felt and it was beautiful. I, I really did enjoy it. And that was, you know, my introduction to, uh, you know, my first working position in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And how long did you stay in South Africa? Because then you, and then let us know where you moved to after that. I stayed in, in living in South Africa uh, for about 18 years. Um, but I, I really loved the bush. I've had a lot of interest in uh, episodes with animals. I mean, I was traveling through Africa. We had uh, lions walking around sniffing the tent. I've had an elephant sniff me from about six inches away, head to foot and everything else. And it's just the most beautiful thing for me. Mm-hmm. Some people would panic, they would run a mile if they could, you know, but for me, it was oh, just yeah. like, oh, it's just so beautiful. And um, so I, I spent as much time as I could in that area. But then, you know, life took over and things started falling about apart. And I was offered an opportunity to come teach English as a second language in China. And the only question I had was, is it north or south? Because if it's north, it's like the north of Canada. It's a little bit chilly. Yes, a little chilly. <laughs> they said, Canada. no, it's not far from yeah well for me it's very cold (laughs) they said no it's not far from vietnam so i said okay no problem it's subtropical so i said i'll go and they gave me a ticket to guangzhou which was the main city at the time well you know the main city from from south africa and at that time the airport was divided into sort of the domestic departures and uh, you know international departures by what was basically a market and I had an hour to get off the plane and get to the, you know, the domestic area. And there was a guy waiting for me with a ticket, you know, an internal ticket. And he's got this little thing there. And I'd gone through customs. He said, Stuart Elliott, I said, that's me. And he said, come, 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 come. He's off like a scolded cat, you know, (laughs) and he's running through and I'm trying to keep up with him through this market and, you know, everything else. And it came to what was like a supermarket checkout. And he gave the, the, the ticket to this person and said, bye-bye, and put me, he's off again. <laughs> that was my introduction. <laughs> and then I you know, got on the plane and uh, you know, 
we flew to Nanning, which is the capital of this region, Guangxi region, and other people met me there and carried on. But, you know, it was interesting that I didn't have any idea what was going to happen when I got here. I just followed my nose. I just trusted. Mm -hmm. And I was going to be here just for one year, but I'm still here. You know, I, I arrived in 2003. I'm still here and I've married a you know a wonderful local woman. And we've got two beautiful young children who are five and a half and four. So nice. at the moment, I'm sort of settled here. Mm -hmm. And what did you study? I mean, you were teaching the English language, right? Yeah, and I, so I was teaching did... communication uh, uh, because what I found, the first school I worked at was um, a, a lower middle school, if you like. The children were sort of mm -hmm. um, 11 to sort of 13, 15. And there were, I think it was 11 teachers or 13 English teachers there, and I could only speak to one of them. And they were English teachers. So they were teaching English in Chinese from Chinese perspective. So they, they, they had a fundamental, you know, a very phenomenal understanding of grammar and everything else. And they knew more about grammar than I did. But the problem is they didn't know how to speak. They didn't know how to use the language as the tool that language is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So my job was just to use, you know, um, the communication side of language rather than try and teach grammar because, you know, as I say, they knew more than me about it. They were more, more efficient at teaching grammar than I would ever be. And uh, what I found in my journey was that I was the most popular teacher. I was the, um, you know, had the highest class retention rates, the highest scores. I mean, I remember one school was at, it was a primary school and mm -hmm. all the parents were complaining, my classes are too noisy, this and this, he's not teaching, he's not doing this. And then come the end of the, the um, school year, all the students got phenomenal results. Why? Because they were having fun. And I, I, I wanted to know what I was really doing. I mean, I was having fun and was, you know, I was enjoying myself and they were enjoying it, but I wanted to know what I was really doing. So I went to the UK to study NLP and uh, John Grinder was one of the instructors there. Mm -hmm. And that opened my eyes a lot. And then later that year, I went to study um, Ericksonian conversational hypnosis or hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along that journey in that year, I suddenly said, now I know what I'm doing. Right. And I was able and, to apply it more intentionally from there onwards. Right. And some of our listeners may not know what the uh, acronym NLP is. Yeah, it's, I think it's an unfortunate acronym because it's neuro-linguistic programming. Mm -hmm. And I think the programming side of it is a little bit unfortunate choice of words because it people is. think that they're going to be controlled. And it's not about control. It's about you opening yourself up and, and getting in contact with your unconscious and resolving problems that you don't even know exist. And, you know, the beauty is if, if we use it in, in, a, in, a, in a good way, we can work with somebody symbolically. So they could have a challenge, a problem, which their unconscious recognizes, but their conscious mind doesn't recognize it. We can elicit a symbol a color or a sound or a feeling or mm -hmm. some other word, we could talk about that. And we both know we're not talking about the real problem. We're just talking about this symbol, but the unconscious doesn't care. And it's working at a deep level to fix whatever that real problem is. And I don't even have to know. And that's one of the beauties about it. I think that uh, mm -hmm. you don't have to regurgitate all the horrors of the past. Yes, you don't have to revisit it in order to heal. Yeah. Um, 
Do you find that when you work with people that they become more positive? That's the whole point of, of helping somebody for me is, is to help mm -hmm. them to connect to that inner positivity, that inner happiness, the things that we, we carry locked around in our heart. You know, for instance, when I was about uh, 13, I was curious at what was inside a golf ball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got my father's hacksaw, got the vice because the shell was so hard. And I had to saw into it to open it. And it was full of like rubber bands wrapped around the former and they all exploded out when I, I cut it open. And what I, I see is that if I say to somebody, what's your first thought when I talk about a golf ball? What's the first thing comes to mind? They'll say something like, oh, it's hard, it's cold, it's boring, it's exciting, it's this or this and this. But that's all true because this is how we see a golf ball. And we, mm -hmm. this is how we are as people. We've got this hard, rigid shell locked around us. And my job is to help them to break the shell to get those rubber bands of happiness, positivity out. And the beauty is once they're out, it's very difficult to put them back in again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but people don't realize um, that their language um, is what sets their mindset. They don't realize that, the, that their negative language sets their mindset. And they don't even know that they're even saying it because people usually say the same things over and over again during during a day. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, as you say, they don't realize they're talking negatively to themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll give you a very common um, uh, question that people ask. How can I help you? And we think when we ask it that we're, we're, we're offering help. Mm -hmm. But we're actually saying to the unconscious mind, can I help you? That's the message, not how, can I, am I able to help you? Mm. Now, if we just switch it around a little bit and say, okay, I'm curious how I can help you. Now mm. the message is, is, we know it's a given that I can help. The question is just how, what's the best way for me to help you? And that's a very, very subtle change, but it's a very big change. And when it's repeated and repeated and repeated, that's a big thing. I mean, another example of how repetition causes mm -hmm. issues is a mother and the child or a father and the child, the child, you know, young child cries for no reason. One of the common questions is, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're mm -hmm. crying. We repeat that over the child's lifetime, you know, as a child. Mm -hmm. And it hears it so many times, then it gets this message, this unconscious message, there's something wrong with me. Oh, dear. And it's done with the best of intention because mm -hmm. we're concerned about why the child's crying. So rather than say, how can I say, what's wrong with you? We said, we, we, you know, it would be much better to say, okay, what's making you cry? And the, the, another word is am, I am, mm -hmm. I'm angry, I'm sad. Mm -hmm. We're making that our identity, we're identifying with that thing. Oh. We're not saying, the truth that something is making me feel angry, something is making me feel sad. We say, I am, that's my identity, that's who I am. So we program ourselves as we think and we communicate with ourselves. And we, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit of time, but we can listen to ourselves and then say, okay, I did it again, that's great. That's another lesson. But what a lot of people do is, is if they 
they make a mistake or they, or, you know, uh, they do something like that, they'll say, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? They're adding negativity. If they say, if they make a mistake and what, you know, a mistake is actually an opportunity to learn anyway, but if right. they say, okay, that's wonderful. I know people look at them as though it's crazy, but you know, but it is because now it's an opportunity to, to take a message, to learn from it. But how many people do that? Most people get angry with themselves. So now the, 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 the adding the message and the negativity to this program that they've had from a very, very young age through the education system, through work, yes. through wherever, and it's, it's just building and building and building. And then at some stage, they don't feel adequate. They don't feel good enough. Mm-hmm. But they don't know why. No, they wouldn't know why because they don't identify with what they how they react to themselves uh, affects their well being really. Yeah, and it's so subtle. I mean, an- another good example of of a challenge with a parent is you tell a child, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. And the unconscious mind tends to dismiss the don't part. So the message becomes, do that. So when you say that to the child, it goes and does exactly what you said it shouldn't do. And you get angry with it and the child's confused. What's wrong? Why did I, you know, why did I get into trouble? I was told to do this. Is it because the brain don't know? Is it because the brain doesn't know don't? Yeah. Yeah, it tends to dismiss that negative part. But... The problem is, I think, with language is we're not taught the fundamentals of communication. We're not taught that words are mere labels, and we're not taught how people pick up energy from different words. Um, For instance, I was on a training call with um, another um, hypnotherapist, and uh, we were talking about benign attention. We had a breakout room in Zoom, and we were talking about benign attention. And this lady just could not get her mind around benign attention because, you know, she couldn't understand how we can just, you know, use this. And we were talking about just letting it be. Mm-hmm. So during the conversation, I found out that she was working in a, in a terminal cancer facility. And oh. she's seeing a lot of pain and suffering every day. And that negativity, that, that horror had been associated with benign because is that tumor benign or cancerous? or something along those lines. So she's got this preloaded vision or energy of this word. Mm. And it's not going to work. So I got the thesaurus out and I started rattling off a few synonyms and all of a sudden, ding, there's one there. And now Mm -hmm. she got it. She just totally understood because there was no um, attachment to that word. But we, we as people, when we communicate, we assume the people that we're talking to have the same meaning, the same understanding of the word that we do. But they're not. They don't. They're labels. Mm-hmm. Well, a and common you... one is chair. Oh, Sorry. Yes. Okay. No. Go ahead, please. No, a common one is chair. You have a. You know, I'm sitting in a chair. You can't see the chair I'm sitting in. So you have a picture of a chair that you're familiar with. And we're talking about the same thing, but we're talking about different chairs. Very, you know, very simple thing, but it's a very um, complex thing because we have to make it our job to listen to 
the energy from the other person that read the face you know facial expressions the, the body language as well as the tone and everything else when we say something and say okay look they're not on the same wavelength we're not in their world we need to get in their world to be able to communicate at the level they need to understand they need to hear so that they can get the message properly mm-hmm mm -hmm. Because a person's energy speaks so loudly. Oh, yeah. But we're not trying to pick up on the energy. That's, you know, that, that is a, a basic facet of communication. Animals know it. They, they react to it. They, they, they work with the energy. We just focus on two things. Number one is our vision of what we see, but we don't see the real thing. And number two is the sound. Mm -hmm. And it, it, there's not that many people who can actually understand when I say to them, you need to listen with your whole body. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's a big thing. And, you know, one, one thing that really it was, it was a, a, an eye-opener for me was I was on a tra another training. It, that, was, that was actually the one in Amsterdam. And the end of course, we had to have a, a one-hour session with with another student and i was matched up with a blind person and i was very apprehensive because i didn't know how to talk to this person I was, i'd rather would have had a sighted person but it was actually the best thing that happened because he told me so much about vision about energy he told me he he, he lived in switzerland and he'd just recently been to the highlands of scotland on his own no guide dog no white stick just on his own he was totally blind for a you know, long time and he's on the mountains there. He could see the sea. He could hear the, see the seagulls. He could see color. You'd say, this is red. He could see it. He, he was working with that energy. But because we're sighted, we forget that. We, we've got that ability. We, we rely too much on our sight sometimes. And, you know, for instance, if you have, you know, because of, of, of the way technology is gone, you have sessions with people on Zoom, you know, a therapy session. You rely on your visual mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people who are not comfortable doing the same thing by phone and picking up on that energy interchange because they, now they can't see how the other person's reacting mm -hmm. and i had a, a call with one of my um, clients the, a, a couple of weeks back and we were talking about this this thing and uh, i said oh you've just sat back and you, you, you've just relaxed in your chair haven't you and there was like deathly silence because we were on the phone. We weren't on, you know, Zoom or anything. There was deathly silence. She said, it's like she's looking for hidden cameras or something like that. What the heck's going on here? How did you exactly. know that? Mm -hmm. But you picked well, up you know, that her energy had changed. Yeah, you, I could just, it was just an instantaneous shift, everything. I didn't hear any rustling. It was just a shift in her whole energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that's what happens when we rely on one thing only. We become lazy in the other modalities. Mm -hmm. Yes, you forget. Yeah, you forget to use them, or you're using them, and people are picking it up incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about miscommunication because people think that what is said is not really the intention. They might think that it was against them. And so there's a whole raft of mis miscommunication going on because people are mm -hmm. only using their their sight. Yeah, well, I think one of one of the big things is is the fact that a lot of the message givers 
think it's the responsibility of the listener to understand him or her who's, who's given the yes. message. Okay. And it's the other way around. Yes. It's my job. If I've got a message, it's my job to make sure I communicate that message to you in a way that you can understand. And I've got to find out what that is through, you know, reading your energy when I deliver something or through hearing, you know, um, a change in the tone of your voice, you know, the doubt that's there that, you know, that you can't do it. And uh, this is a big, big problem in companies, in relationships, everything, yes. because we assume the other person's at the same place as us. But we're not taught this. We're not taught this at a very young age. We're not taught this along with the ABC and the communication and the fact that words are labels mm -hmm. and they have different meanings. So when you put all this together, it's no wonder that people can take offense. I mean, I'll give you a, a, a funny example of this. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine, a colleague of mine in New York, was in a store or a, a corner shop or something like that. And there were three people there and they were almost getting to blows and they were all talking English, but not one of them could understand the other person. Yeah. And she had to translate for them. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the crazy thing, you know, they were all talking English, four people, but they've all got different attachments to the words and meanings and pronunciations and nobody could understand each other and mm -hmm. they, they were letting themselves get triggered their egos were getting bruised yes. so now they're going into the fight mode mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah because we're we're pulling a lot of baggage with us when we're talking to yeah. people yeah because we we, we feel let's see, we feel we feel threatened and I had a great lesson about this uh, when I was teaching uh, a class once. It was about three or four years down the line after I got here and had a class. And there was one student, he was about uh, nine, nine or ten or something like that. And whatever I was teaching, I can't remember the exact point, but he, he didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And I, okay, I repeated a little bit more forcefully. And then I repeated again. And again, and each time there's more force, more force, but it's the same delivery, the same message, the same way of presenting it. And eventually I got cross and, and said to myself, you know, under my breath, this guy is stupid. He's never going to get it. Just leave it. Mm -hmm. And then I carried on with something else. And then I went away. And after the class, I sat down and I had the habit of just reviewing what worked, what didn't work, etc., etc. And I said, Stuart, you're stupid. He's already shown you he doesn't understand the way you're delivering the message. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to force it down his throat the same way. Mm. No wonder he's not, he's not coming on board. And then the next class I went uh, and uh, presented the same thing in a totally different way from a different direction. And bing, all the lights went on. He was the happiest person. Yes. What a wonderful lesson to have about communication. Mm-hmm. You were teaching him and, how he learned. You had, yeah, how he needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. and, and another time, I had another class, and we had like a horseshoe around a whiteboard, mm -hmm. and the people were saying, you know, that they couldn't see, they couldn't understand what I was talking about, and I had some some writing on the whiteboard. And it was only by chance that I took a, a little walk around the classroom, mm -hmm. and I could see that where these guys were complaining, the lights were reflecting on the whiteboard. And they couldn't see anything. It wasn't a question they didn't understand. They couldn't see anything. The, the writing was invisible. 
<laughs> no, if I hadn't had that little walk, I wouldn't have picked that partner. So that mm -hmm. was, became my habit, have that little talk, you know, make sure that the people are receiving the message in the way that they need to. And actually, they can see the message, they can hear the message. Mm -hmm. These are yeah, big things, that's but right. they're little things at the time, but they're, 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 they're big, big changes and uh, the big eye-openers. And, and the other thing that was interesting for me anyway is when I was working with sort of seven-year-olds, I found out regularly that they became unresponsive. They became, they didn't want to, to, to learn or to follow the lesson and everything else. Mm -hmm. It was only through my reevaluation of what was happening that I found out there was a pattern every month, a pattern every month. And then I looked up, it was the moon. When there it was a go. full moon and just before and just afterwards, there you go. that's when their attention went out the water and I didn't bother with lesson plans. I just went in and, and followed whatever their energy was and we had a great time. And they learned. But mm -hmm. you know, it's logical. If the move can move the oceans, that's exactly it's got to what I say. Us. <laughs> if the, it, yeah, if the moon can pull the water away from away from the shore and put it back again, mm -hmm. and we think as human beings we're not affected by that. No, we're, we're missing something big, aren't we? Really? <laughs> <laughs> we are, yes. The ancient people knew that, but we've forgotten mm -hmm. that knowledge. Yes, we have forgotten the knowledge for sure. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant show right now, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Symatrex. And I'm speaking with Stuart Elliott today. Can you let uh, our listening audience know how they may reach out to you if they wanted to contact you? Yeah, the easiest way is to, to just send me an email at Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at S-P-G, dot b z and z is the english pronunciation for z which yes. americans have so it's an easy one to remember stuart at spg.bz and just tell you know just put in the email that you heard me on your show the ronda grant show and then i'll know and you know we can just uh, have mm -hmm. that communication that they're, they're looking for wonderful um, before the show, uh, you let me know that you have a story that you'd like to talk about when you were 17 and you were talking with a man who was 70 or, or maybe yeah. the numbers wrong. Yeah, it's, I don't know his exact age, but he was in that ilk. But what had happened was <clears throat> I just come back from a two week vacation in uh, Morocco and I lived in the UK and it was the beginning of May. So people in, in the UK at that time didn't have a suntan because the weather's not you're not there. Summer's not arrived till July, if you're lucky. Yeah. And uh, I came with this suntan and I, I walked into the pub and there's an old guy who's just sat there at the bar, you know, part of the furniture, the, the habitual person, that's his, his world type of thing. And he just looked at me as I walked in and you could see that he was, you know, really curious in that. And he said to me, he said, you're looking very brown. And I won't try and put the accent on, but he said, you're looking very, very brown where have you been and he, you could see that he was thinking and he was starting to regret there was there was something in his facial expression and i said no i've just been to morocco for two weeks and he just stopped and he, he just went totally totally inside and this really wistful look came on his eyes he said morocco i wish i could have done that when i was your age mm -hmm. And I said to myself, thank you for telling me what mm -hmm. a wonderful lesson that I'm not going to get to your age or any age and look back with regret mm -hmm. at all the things that I 
could have done if I'd have chosen mm. to, because maybe he couldn't have gone to Morocco, but you can see that there was a lot of stuff that he's regretting he's not mm -hmm. done in his life in that sentence, in that moment. <clears throat> and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was a big, big thing for me. And uh, things happen in life, whether they're good or bad, or we perceive them in, or, as good or bad. I always say that, um, you know, the so-called mistakes of yesterday, our experiences, our good parts, the, the so-called bad parts, are our reservoir of wisdom for today, if we choose mm -hmm. to look at it in that way. And that's the thing, it's that choice. We have to choose to look at things in that, in that way, rather than become the victim, blame this or blame that or blame something else, or <clears throat> just be sad because we never had opportunity. We didn't create the opportunity. We had it, we didn't create it, we didn't take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I've heard often from people say, saying they wish they would have done this or they wish they would have done that. And mm -hmm. when you have more life behind you than you do ahead of you, <clears throat> lots of times you take take a tally, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a nurse, and I can't remember her name now, but she wrote a, a story, a, a chapter, a book about the, the seven wishes of the dying or the five wishes of the dying. Oh. And one of the biggest ones was looking back at the things they didn't do, looking back that they didn't live their life, that they lived somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was well, a very poignant message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, some people are raised to... Um, they say they'll say to you what will other people think and so then you grow up worried about what other people will think and by the time you're in your 40s you realize that nobody thought anything about you at all and yep. you've spent your whole life like a lot of your life worrying about what other people mm -hmm. you're not um, you're not living your truth then are you because you're living to please other people in mm -hmm. your mindset and it's a mindset and yeah, and, and, and as you say, the other people, they couldn't give a, a monkeys anyway, could they? <laughs> you know? They were too busy thinking so, about themselves, yeah, for crying out loud. You think about them. <laughs> yeah, and so there's a great lesson for the listeners. Uh, yeah. Anything that you want to do in life, you really need to take hold of it and do it, because people, other people that you think might be thinking about you, um, they're thinking about themselves, you know, they're thinking about what they should or shouldn't do and what their day is like and, and all those things. So that's a really you know, good on, lesson. On that note, the, 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 you know, there's one extra thing that I always, um, you know, have conversations with people about is they say, I wish I'd have done that or I should have done this. And they're now reevaluating a decision they made in the past or an action mm -hmm. they did in the past from a different vantage point. When they made that decision, they had a certain amount of information, a certain amount of knowledge. Yes. A certain amount of understanding. Now that because of whatever happened or they did, they're a different person. And they, they can't reevaluate that from this vantage point because they're not the same people. So it's not the same decision. So we should be saying, okay, it's great. I made that decision. Mm -hmm. It's got me where I today. It's not maybe where I want to be, but it's got me where, what I can gain for it, and then how I can move forward. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wonderful advice for people who might be stuck somewhere because they made a wrong decision, yeah. but they but made a wrong, wrong. <clears throat> mm -hmm. it was where they were at the time.
What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life, Stuart? My whole life has been develop back on it so that you know Wonderful. that's ability to look back with that wisdom is, is, is actually quite extraordinary you know the, yeah. the, one of the, the most beautiful things and it really brings home this message that i think should be taught at a very young level uh, age is what i call aac um accept um, awareness acceptance and choice become mm -hmm. aware of what's happening accept that it's happening don't accept the, the nonsense that's associated with it just accept that it's happening and then you have the power to choose how you want to react to it rather than be triggered by it into what's usually negativity. Uh -huh. And I'll give you a, a beautiful example of this. Um, when I was in Zimbabwe, Western Zimbabwe, my friend and I, Roy, we, we were on a camping trip and we, we decided to stay, you know, throughout the game reserves. And we decided to stay at the Vic Falls National Park, the Victoria Falls National Park. Uh, it's just upstream from the, the mighty, you know, uh, Victoria Falls. And we'd rented a little chalet and there was a little brick bright area or barbecue area about 20, 30 feet from the house. And I said to her, look, you get the meat ready in the kitchen and I'll go and build a fire. So I go there and I got the wood ready and I'm just about to set the fire alight. And I just looked up into the bush and about 10 feet away, I saw that there was an elephant stood there watching me. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, if I light the fire, it's not going to be, be very polite because the smoke's going to go towards this elephant. So I just stood there and we had this quiet communication, the two of us, mm -hmm. because I became aware and I accepted it. I didn't get triggered and think there's danger or anything else. I just accepted it. And I chose to just be and have that conversation. And what happened was, uh, and, uh, as we were just sort of talking to each other, if you like, you know, energetically. Mm -hmm. Telepath however, yeah, telepathically. Yeah yeah because neither of us were, were, were scared neither of us felt the other person was out of place we were both there in that moment in that environment on part of it i noticed that next to the elephant was a small deer-sized antelope called a bushbuck and that was just stood there watching me as well and that wasn't scared or anything and then a little bit later a, a small group of warthogs came down the path to the river to have a drink of water, you know, because it was sunset and it was getting, you know, time to, to get ready for bed. Mm -hmm. And one of them actually brushed my leg as it, as it went past. And there was no, no concern. It wasn't, it was as if I didn't exist. I was just a tree or something. I, I was just part of that environment. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit later, a troop of baboons came past and chattering through the trees as they were going to their place to, to roost or nest for the night, whatever you want to call it. And then as the dust deepened, the elephant just casually turned and just melted away. Mm -hmm. And I was just, just, it was just such a beautiful, you can't put um, words to it. But because I became aware and accepted mm -hmm. it was happening, I didn't ch react. I chose to just be. Mm -hmm. Everything turned this wonderful experience rather than run away and, and cause all mayhem, you know, mm -hmm. which is what a lot of people would do. Because wow, they're, they're triggered. It's a significant you know? experience. That must it, have been incredible. Yeah, and it just taught me that, you know, we are part of this world. We are mm -hmm. part of this environment. We're everything. We're not separate. And, and that's one of the problems with modern day living. We think we're separate from the environment. We think we're separate from the earth, but we're not. We're all part of it. If we could only go back to that understanding. We're all one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Do you feel that you've been called to the work that you're doing or do you feel you've crafted it? No, I was led this direction, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, as, as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I came to um, China in 2003 and then I studied, um, you know, hypnotherapy and, and NLP. But what happened is, as I carried on with my teaching career, I found that, number one, I moved to school with, with, with uh, adults rather than children. And these adults were either going to emigrate or they're going to study in, in uh, English-speaking countries mm-hmm. or they were doing business. In the, with English-speaking countries. And we had smaller classes and a lot of one-on-one classes. And they chose to share problems with me. And I offered you know, advice and uh, help them to, to understand and get out of their own way. And then all of a sudden, they would just blossom into the smile that came from inside. Mm. And then I said, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Because this is just so rewarding to help someone wake up if you like and 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 recognize that they've got all this potential they've got all these abilities that they've stifled so you know looking back my whole trip you know obviously from childhood through africa overland and all the things that happened overland in africa and then living in johannesburg for for, you know nearly 20 years and and visiting Mm -hmm. all these places I'm into China. It was all part of my education to get me ready for this moment. Right. So it was not a recognizable calling, but a hindsight. Yeah, definitely. I was led here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when people take a look back over their lives, and if they look at the incidences that happened and and how that was guidance and direction Mm -hmm. i think most people could see that a magic thread ran through their history if they choose to look that way rather than look with regret definitely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we've got to choose to recognize the things that were not so good as good because the lessons are there the incident may not have been good but the lesson is there if you choose to accept it and it can take some time it can take six months it can take a year to get past that negativity that the mm-hmm. incidents caught or but it can take a lifetime yeah but when, when, when we look back and we say look there was a lesson there was a deep understanding something i mm-hmm. needed to grow from then we, we take on that wisdom that uh, we missed before because we were mm-hmm. too wrapped up in options mm-hmm. and when we're the keeper of the wisdom that's when we can help others Definitely, definitely. Because just sharing a story can touch somebody in a way and just give them the power. They ah, just opens a you know a window in their mind that they'd never thought before just by sharing a story. Mm-hmm. And that was the shortest story I've ever heard, and one of the most powerful is the story that you shared. Which one was that? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the man at the bar who said oh, that he wished yeah. that he had went to Morocco. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it impacted me in a way I didn't really understand at that time. I just knew that I wasn't going to look back with regret, but I didn't, I had no idea it was going to take me on this journey. But, you know, it was, I'm so grateful to him. And it's a shame that, you know, he didn't understand that he had all these choices. And perhaps, you know, I mean, if you believe in reincarnation, perhaps he'll come back and he'll, he'll have a bit more wisdom this time and be mm-hmm. able to, to get past that. 
But, uh, you know, it, it really did make me think, and, and I was so grateful at that time to him for telling me that, because I, I, I made that decision. I'm never going to look back with regret. I've not done everything perfectly. I mean, I've had a lot of... <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, we no, say we don't... unwise decisions. Oh, but, yeah, uh, we are. There's a lesson there for me. <laughs> It's been but such again, a pleasure. Life is what we make it, isn't it, really? Life is what we make it. And when we think we'll live forever, all of a sudden we're in our 80s and we have regrets. And I think that mm. uh, we need to think about what makes us happy every day and do those things every single day. Mm -hmm. Because when, mm -hmm. your when your energy is at a higher vibrational frequency, you're attracting more people at that level. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. your life can change, and it can change really quickly, and for oh, yeah. the better, most of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's just one word, or even just that energy that you feel from somebody that, that, that just opens you up in a way that you, you didn't even think was possible. Mm -hmm. Very contemplating. It's been mm -hmm. such a pleasure to have you on the show, Stuart. Um, it's my pleasure I think we can talk bit. for we talk for a long time. You're such yeah, an interesting definitely. person. Um, so that. yeah, so I thank you very much for being on the Rhonda Grant show and perhaps I'll have you back on the show to talk more in depth because uh, we don't have right. you know a couple hours to to mm -hmm. to spend uh, to go in depth with some of these things that mm -hmm. I'd really like to. I'm always happy to, because I think it's important that we, we get this message out to more people so that they can be self-empowered, if you like, if you know, whatever, however you want to label it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not like being inspired by watching somebody on stage uh, inspiring you because you lose, you know, you lose the inspiration once you leave. It's about teaching skills, life skills, mm -hmm. so that it improves your life. That's what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's important that we, you know, we improve our lives because if we improve our lives, we can help other people improve theirs just by being us. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's one of the wonderful things about it, I think, that by being yourself and being true about yourself, other people pick up on that energy and then they can make the changes and, and, and be the people they are supposed to be, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You end up being a beacon of light for people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just imagine the whole world with all these beacons of light rather than these beacons of darkness, which is, you know, prevalent at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Thank you very much, Stuart. It's my pleasure, and thank you to everybody who's listening. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant Show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.